Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name's Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I'm joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host... Sam Ashurst, and I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm intrigued to discuss Dream Demon with Dan this fortnight. Dan, why don't you tell the precious Arrowheads what Dream Demon is all about? So imagine if uh, you're at a party and you want to make a cocktail... But the only ingredients you've got are the first night on Elm Street and the trailer for Hellraiser. And the only cocktail shake you've got is a Memorial Princess Diana, Prince Charles wedding mug. Holy shit. That is the greatest description of this film I've ever heard. I mean, it's not quite plot, but it, <laughs> what, what is the plot even? Um, yeah, that is, that is fantastic. Now, how are we going to do this in terms of spoilers? I think this is another one. Um, we've been on a run of these recently, and we are going to get back to the, the films that people know a bit more, you know, in the future. I think um, so. But this is another one where we're going to have to keep it vague because it's another yeah. underseen gem. You know, I, I this was a first-time watch for me, so I know it wasn't for you. You've seen it before, right? I have seen it before, but I hadn't seen the director's cut before. And actually, my journey to Dream Demon was really weird because, and I actually, I phoned my parents to try and work out where I had got it but I'd been at a party with them when I was really young um and I and the host of the party had been involved in film in some way and I can't remember what they did I don't remember what their name was and my parents don't remember this happening but uh, I met a few I, I met a few interesting like sort of film related adults via my parents because right. whenever they met anyone who was film related they'd always introduce me to them because they knew I was obsessed with film uh, and so I met, you know, a few puppeteers and, and, and this kind of thing over the years. I can't work out what happened, but at this party, I got given a copy of the production script for Dream Demon. Wow. And so I read it when I was, uh, God, like, I'm, I mean, it, it was made in 88. I can't have been much older than 11. So like 10, 11. So yeah, I, yeah, I had it and then I didn't see it for absolutely years, but I'd read it several times. And then I saw the movie and it was slightly different, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, and especially, you know, in the context of, uh, a, what is it, a conscious ripoff of the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. But then one of the things I really liked about this this edition, to go straight into the extras, <laughs> is hearing the, writer, the director and producer talk about it on the select commentary. Like, they've got really highfalutin references <laughs> going on. Yeah. And I feel that that kind of comes across when you're watching it. Yeah. Like it like it's not perfect by any means, but it's got some really lovely like considered imagery in it. And so for all the areas in which it's derivative, it's also actually quite interesting and fresh in places as well. Yeah, I I I think so. And and for a, a Nightmare on Elm Street kind of knockoff, it it does feel original, you know. Um your yeah. comparisons are totally fair. It, it's very very Hellraiser. Um, the, what they gleaned from the Hellraiser trailer. But yeah, I, I do think whether it's intentional or not, and there's sort of some suggestion on the, on the extras that this wasn't intentional, but um, I do think there's some original stuff here and some interesting oh, yeah. themes that, that they're, they're playing with. But let's, let's start at the beginning. Um, the film isn't even five minutes in, and we've got <laughs> our first practical effect. Um, which is really fun, and it's a good big burn, isn't it? Yeah, like it's 
they really go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And you could argue that the film takes a while to recover from that. You know, it, it starts so big and so kind of intense that, you know, you lose footing a tiny bit. Um, but that blood-soaked wedding dress is such a great Oh, my image. goodness. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and so, you know, let, let's talk about Gemma Redgrave. It's her first film. Now, I think she's good in this, but what do you think of her performance? Um, I think she's good. I think she doesn't necessarily have a lot to do in the first act. Yes. Uh, and it takes a little while for her character to sort of grow on you. As if, like, if you've not seen it before, if it's the first watch, I can see how you might think she's a bit wet to start with. But actually, by the end of the film, the narrative is really kind of being driven by her dogged like refusal to submit. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the things I, I really liked about this film is that kind of arc um i've seen some criticism yes there's criticism that she's kind of a bit wet and there's other criticism that she's wooden um but i honestly think that's the character she's playing Um, well and just and just posh british british actors of the era this is kind of on the tail end of like super plummy british horror yes and and unlike hellraiser it's it's shot in britain but it's not pretending to be america no, correct. It, it's, it's, it's fully embracing its Britishness. Well, it, its Britishness is such a key part of it because, you know, Absolutely. We'll, we'll get into it, but uh, the villains of the piece are, are so um, quintessentially British. Um, yeah. yeah, and, you know, I think both of the, the, the women leads are really good. I think they've got great chemistry and the film feels feminist to a certain extent for the time, um, you know, their relationship and and the way that kind of drives the the plot is is interesting it is also dan our second ever jimmy nail film on the it podcast. is yeah um, he's in howling too isn't he he is indeed i'm <laughs> starting to think that we should rebrand the podcast to something jimmy now related uh <laughs> i have i have some suggestions but do you have any ideas for a title for a jimmy now podcast I have sprung uh, No, you have. Uh, no, I can't. I can't think of anything. I, I, I'm trying to think of something that's both arrow and nail <laughs> related. Oh, and yeah. I, I, I didn't go that far actually. So <laughs> I've got nailed it. I mean, that's a spin-off. Yeah. Oh, this one's arrow related with nail and us. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> and the iron giant, and then I stopped after that because sometimes nails are made of iron. <laughs> And he's quite tall. And he's tall, exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, Jimmy Now and the magnificent Timothy Spall play a couple yeah, of... Yeah, Timothy Spall's horrifying. Oh, he's so disgusting. Um, and yeah, they both play truly vile journalists. It is not a subtle critique of the tabloid press. Um, as Dan um, alluded to in his plot description, this film has a lot of weird allegories for the situation Princess Diana found herself in when she married Prince Charles. Well, yeah, Gemma Redgrave's even called Diana, isn't she? Exactly, yeah. And so, yeah, it's basically that real-life person, if that real-life person had alluded to repressed homosexuality, um, which is something that's discussed on the disc. And that is kind of the deeper themes that I'm kind of pointing to um, that are discussed in the interviews but weren't necessarily... For example, she says that that she doesn't believe that Diana uh, is straight in the interview, but there's no discussion of that being 
the intention of the filmmakers or, or the writers. It's just something that she kind of came to herself. And it does add depth to the film, I think. Yeah, I think often uh, some of the best films work because they're a patchwork of the sort of secret intent of the various artists at play. Yes. Because everyone's bringing so much stuff. And a, and a good actor, and I do think she's a good actor, Yeah, a, a good actor will have done so much like internal back work for these characters that isn't necessarily there on the page that will allow them to draw their performance out. And yeah, I definitely think that this film benefits from that. I'm yeah. not sure how much back work Nail did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, of the two of them, I do think that Spall is probably the the better. Um, yeah. He is, um, yeah, He's he is both, monstrous. both the better actor and the better, like, villain once they get full villain. Exactly. And I think, you know, was the intention here to have two Freddy Kruegers um, instead of one, like... again let's not get into it too much um because i feel that goes into spoiler territory but yeah uh, i mean it's not too much of a spoiler to say that they both pop up in diana's dreams well it's this is so the 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 core concept of nightmare on elm street obviously is if you fall asleep you can die in your own dreams yeah uh the variant concept in this i don't think this is too much of a spoiler is that our our leading character is having a dream and if other people die in her dream then they die in the real world so they've kind of flipped it over a little bit i read something about this where someone pointed out that because this is uh a freddy a a number on elm street ripoff but it happens at the beginning of the number on elm street franchise freddy hasn't really had an opportunity to become like a big bombastic leading man yes in the way that he would in the later films and so it's more that they're stealing from the core concept than that they're stealing you know the, the the freddy character per se and I do feel that Spall and Nail are, to some extent, just a humanization of this bigger, more otherworldly threat that's at play. Yeah. Especially Absol- in, the, uh, in the original edit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, um, uh, of course, you know, we've discussed it. it. This isn't us saying that it's a Nightmare on Elm Street ripoff. It, it, in the extras, uh, producer Paul Webster says that it was very much specifically intended as a, a ripoff of Nightmare on Elm Street. I think Palace Pictures put out Nightmare on Elm Street, didn't they? They also put out um, Evil Dead. But, they um, definitely did Evil Dead, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the very interesting elements, though, is, of course, the film's called Dream Demon, and many Nightmare on Elm Street fans will associate that term with Freddy. But the Dream Demon mythology didn't actually appear in that franchise until The Final Nightmare, which was released three years after Dream Demon. So, again, as ever with these things, there is a kind of relationship, a symbiotic relationship going with all of these different movies. You know, one influences the other. It's always interesting to to look at where these kinds of films fit into the wider history of, of cinema especially for such an obscure release as Dream Demon, you know. Absolutely. I think there's, when when a company has a massive franchise that's so consistently successful, like Nightmare on Elm Street, there are obviously going to be people who, who start doing rip-offs almost immediately. Like, even tiny films have their, you know, their, um, uh, what's the word, plagiarists. Yeah. But it's almost like having an unpaid R&D team. Like, they can look at all these little indie films that are off doing rip-offs and go, oh, that works, we'll take that for the next one. Oh, that works, we'll have that for number four. So, yeah, even Troll had Troll 2. 
<laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. And speaking of phenomenons, for me, Dream Demon has a bit of a Dario Argento vibe to it as well. Is that something that you sort of felt or...? Yeah, I can see that, especially uh, especially a lot of the fire dream stuff. Exactly. Yeah, feels very uh, feels quite Argento-y. Yeah, um, and yeah, just atmospherically as well, it reminded me of Tenebrae for some reason. But um, you know, there's just something about it that feels very Argento. So I'm sure we have more people listening to this that have experienced Argento movies than have experienced Bad Dreams. So um, there's a little kind of. <laughs> early recommendation <laughs> and yeah it's another really solid disc loads of new interviews uh which yeah is, really good as i say really do add depth to your experience of the film um and and lovely cover art as well it's a, it's a really nice disc and you know in my research i i saw quite a lot of people um who watched this film when they were growing up and have never forgotten it and were asking for the blu-ray um, because it was quite hard to get hold of before this release. Yeah. And so it's nice that so many fans um, will be really happy with this disc. Um, you know, good old Arrow video. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's really good. It's got both edits. Uh, it's got all those interviews. Uh, the old making of is really nice as well. Yeah, it's lovely. Seeing the old, seeing the makeup chair, seeing Spall getting put into his makeup is yeah. good. Really nice. I slightly wish it had had the uh, the video cover that I remember as one of the options. What what Which ones do you remember? There's yeah, a on. very greasy close up of sport. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and and neon yellow is that right? Or am I misremembering that? It's kind of like bright orange. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tony, our, our friend Psychotronic Tony, has a uh, a little cardboard video shop standee of it. Oh, I noticed wow. a little while ago. Oh amazing! <laughs> oh, I love those video shop standees. I miss those. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a great deal else to say about this film really what sam do you watch star trek do i watch star trek yes um yeah. yes what are the what are the sort of like smooth bulgy faced aliens i think they're probably one of the spin-off series first and then maybe got into the main maybe came back to next generation maybe like thingy deep space nine is that right. one of them yeah deep space the, the, nine the, the the like Oh god, I can't. I, I don't know what the aliens are called. It's got a big, big smooth face. Jimmy I mean, Nails makeup looks like one of them. I think you're thinking of Odo um, from Deep Space Nine, who um, is a shapeshifter. He's a he's a changeling, um, Dan. I, so, I guess it would make sense that shapeshifters are smooth and edgeless because they're sort of that's the most average shape they can be, ready can, to shift. Can you quickly? google it to just check that this is the one that you're thinking of just just yeah i can do that (laughs) (laughs) top quality (laughs) is it just odo is it odo yeah deep space nine there we go odo deep space nine yeah that's him yes great yeah that's what that's what jimmy now looks like if odo was in the very early stages of turning into a cat (laughs) yeah Man, you are fucking nailing it with the comparisons this uh, this fortnight. That's great. Jimmy nailing it. Jimmy nailing it. Yes. <laughs> oh. uh, let's. We should do with Nell and I at some point in the future. By the way. Oh, I'd um, love to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was. That, I was actually thinking I would like to watch that again recently. But it would be nice to be doing it for the podcast. Combine work with leisure. <laughs> yeah, we've got what we've we got. We've got sweet smell of success coming up next time, and then we've got blood tide. 
And then after that, who knows? So um, Arrowheads, prepare yourself for a With Nell and I episode because uh, I think that should be one of the more sort of recognisable films that, yeah, yeah. that we haven't been doing for a while. Right. Anything else to say on Dream Demon? Uh, evil Kevin Eldon plays the dad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and again, another connection to Howling 2, which features Blackadder. Oh, yeah, of course it does, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know. Um, all right, should we go on to recommendations based on I bad... Uh, oh, oh, I just <laughs> nearly gave away one of my um, recommendations based on Dream Demon. Um, Do what, I... what have you got? Um, so my uh, my first one is one that I it was it was one I'd never seen before. I was watching Dream Demon with Jen, mm. and uh, and Jen was like, "Oh my god, that's just like dot dot dot." And I was like, "Oh, I've never seen that." And she's like, "Well, we have to watch that next." So straight after Dream Demon, we watched Poltergeist Three. <gasps> oh my god! Holy shit! Which I'd never seen. It's the same year, eighty eight. Yeah, uh, directed by Gary Sherman. It's got like. One of the things we didn't really touch on when talking about Dream Demon is that it does a lot of nested reality. Yes. Like it does a lot of, oh, you're in a dream, you've woken up, you're still in a dream, you've woken up, you're still in a dream. Yeah. And uh, and Poltergeist kind of does that, but with the spirit realm to an extent. But it's also like yeah. the most mirror-filled film I've ever seen. Yes. I mean, this, this is a film... Uh, uh, Great recommendation from Jen, and I am very surprised you haven't seen it. No judgments, you know, it's not the greatest film in the world, but there are things to love in it. And one of I those really things it, yeah. is all the mirror stuff really freaked me out. I saw this, you know, when I was quite young, um, and the mirror stuff terrified me for ages afterwards. I still occasionally think of this film um, when I'm in a room uh, at night with a mirror in it. Um, that's it like oft, so often horror films work by taking something that's just mundane and, and omnipresent in everyday life and and giving you a new way of looking at it exactly yeah no Poltergeist 3 is a great one yeah is that it on Poltergeist 3 that's kind of it on Poltergeist 3 I really enjoyed it I think it's on uh, I think it's on Prime we may have paid for it yeah but no. yeah it was on Amazon no great recommendation uh, Jen and Dan my first recommendation is also a film uh, from 1988, and I almost accidentally said it when I was going into this bit. It's Bad Dreams um, from 1988, which is available on... Yeah, it's on the 88 Films Slasher Collection, uh, those, you know, slim, uh, red-cased beauties. And, yeah, it's basically about uh, a, a woman who awakens from a coma... Uh, but she finds herself being stalked by the ghost of a cult leader who who led a mass suicide um, that she actually survived as a child. Uh, and there are lots of twists and turns. Um, and I'm hoping that... Well, it's called Bad Dreams, so it's not too much of a spoiler to say that it involves dreams. But yeah, same year, kind of fun special effects and a similar kind of trippy atmosphere um yeah we didn't really go too much weirdly into the dream sequences in dream demon in the main discussion um but dream logic films are actually really quite hard to get right because you have to get the right balance of surreal and logical um yeah and they're also a difficult thing to get people invested in and you know if you want to do an experiment then compare the original nightmare on elm street which is obviously excellent to the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, 
which is just boring. Um, yeah. And and so part of the, the, the reason it's so dull is because they don't get those dreams right. You're just kind of waiting for them to end. So, yeah, Bad Dreams is definitely more in the Dream Demon um, section of the video store. What it does with the concept is, is very interesting. So, um, so, yeah, Bad Dreams. I've not... I've not seen it. I'll grab that. That sounds interesting. I've, I've looked at the poster while you were talking and I love the tagline. So I'm in. Yeah, it's great. And um, it's I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a shot in it that references a very famous, beautiful painting. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye out. They, for that. Well, they, that was that was very popular around this time. Late 80s, early 90s was to sort of borrow from paintings for your horror. Yeah. Uh, they talk in the extras on uh, Dream Demon about uh, how every f- in those uh, scenes where reality and dreams start bleeding into each other, where they they're like every shot looks like it's um, Francis Bacon. Yes, because they're doing those des- uh, multiple exposure frames. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's nice stuff. Really nice. And what's next for you, recommendations wise? Well, I struggled a little bit, and the one I want to recommend, I've kind of I've mentioned before on the podcast, but it's. A, since we mentioned it last time, it's it's come onto Prime, so I feel like it's worth mentioning again. Yeah. And and B, I love it so much, it's worth mentioning again. Um, but it's Paper House, which is another yes. 1988, yeah, another 1988 film, uh, another film about drifting in and out of of dreams and and dream space, and and another very English film, um, although not quite as plummy. <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember um, what you recommended Paperhouse on? Was it Candyman or was it? No, I think it might have just been that I just rewatched it. Oh, so okay. it was a yeah, it yeah. was a, a recently watched rather than a uh, yeah rather than a, a referential one. But but I'm sure also sure it's come up conversationally in these podcasts yeah. a few times. I like it enough that it's unlikely that we'll talk about films this often for this many years and not have me bring it up a few times exactly no it's always the way and in fact (laughs) my next recommendation is a film that i've recommended before (laughs) um is it from 1988 sam because all three of our recommendations so far have been from 1988 oh man i don't think it is i think it might be 1987 let me just check my no 1986 damn it um but maybe Uh 87 in this country but anyway uh, the film is Labyrinth. Um, oh, amazing! Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure I recommended this for Hellraiser too, but I'm, I've definitely recommended it before. But there's something about the dream sequences in Dream Demon um, that that really reminded me of Labyrinth. Um, and Labyrinth kind of feels like a dream sequence film, even if it isn't really. But especially the ballroom sequence in Labyrinth, I think you can yeah. transpose that into Dream Demon quite easily. And well, so, I yeah. Think they all... Sorry. Go on. No, no, go on. I think they are playing around with the idea of dreams. You know, the child gets stolen at night. There's yes. the, you know, it is a nightmare scenario to have a child you're looking after be stolen. You know, it's all, a lot of it is very dreamy. Totally. And like the way it kind of plays with time and it doesn't follow the rules of time, which is very like dreams. And Indeed. Obviously, there's that fantastic scene where, um, you know, she's in her room and, and she thinks that she has woken from a dream. 
and yeah the way that gets played around with is probably one of my favorite moments in, in the movie but um yeah yeah uh, every almost everyone listening to this will have seen labyrinth already if you haven't oh my god i'm jealous what a treat um but sometimes i i recommend these more well-known films as a contextual recommend for the more obscure thing that we're talking Man, about it's so, totally yeah. totally valid i found out i mentioned this on twitter but i found out between the last episode and now that one of my regular staff and please don't guess because i don't want to say their name and no i wouldn't no no had, had never seen either of the ter- first two terminator films oh my goodness right so it's worth recommending the classics because sometimes someone will have just gone oh i've probably got it from context i've seen enough clips i've heard people talk about it i don't really need to but no go and watch what are you doing go and watch terminator one and terminator two right now terminator one's on prime terminator two totally. <laughs> I know, terminator one's on netflix i think terminator uh, it two, is on netflix down, down, for, down there for a couple of quid on prime and, um, and yeah i i own terminator 2 on prime even though i own it on dvd even though i own it on blu-ray it's one of those films yeah, i just want with me at all times um wow please can you ask this person what they thought of those films when they i did get to the- and oh. they replied with just the mind blown emoji and we've <laughs> since had a long a long conversation about it but it, it was because i was referencing that amazing effect in the second one yeah with, with the, the puppet mirror and the mirror and the yeah. sister yeah exactly uh, and I was saying, oh, you know, and then we can kind of do a gag that's a bit like that Terminator 2 mirror shot. And they were like, I don't know what you mean. I'm like, right, well, we have to stop talking now because you have to go and watch the Terminator films. Do you know what? <laughs> I've I've got a recommendation for that scene in that film, which you're going to love, Dan. Um, go on. It's from a little film called Zack Snyder's Sucker Punch. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, find it on YouTube. The mirror shot in that film is insane once you start yeah. to, to kind of break it down. And they did it in a very similar way um, to the mirror shot in Terminator 2, but they took it to another level. Um, so, well, yeah. it's the... There's loads, of, there's loads of really good, oh my God, this actor's got a twin moments in films. And the... Um, oh my God, what's it called? Sci-fi, Jodie Foster. Um, Contact. Contact, Contact. The, the mirror shot in Contact is yes. un, unbelievably beautiful. Yes. So there's that. But then on top of that, uh, there's that episode of Buffy where they discovered that Xander had a twin. Yes. <laughs> like five seasons in. And they're yeah. like, well, we're going to have to do a whole fucking episode about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think mirror weirdness is, is a perfectly um, valid uh, tangent to go off on, especially as you recommended Poltergeist 3. So, um, yeah, that all works for me. Excellent. Right. Past couple of weeks, Dan, what have you been watching? I uh, was raving about a Spanish director who doesn't get a lot of releases in this country uh, to someone and bemoaning the fact that their work is... They've had a couple of films that have sort of made it over here onto DVD, but not as many as I'd I'd like. Um, And I did a bit of searching, and there's a five-disc Blu-ray set of early Alex de la Iglesia films in Spain uh, with English subtitles. And so I revisited La Comunidad from 2000 Mm. um, in the last couple of weeks. It also contains Day of the Beast. I think it's got Perdita Durango in it. Yeah, it's a he's a great he's a great director. It's a great set. But the, the the first one I've watched from that box set is La Comunidad, released in America as Commonwealth. Uh, it's very hard. To, if you search for it on IMDb, it's under Commonwealth, but with a space in it, two words, mm-hmm. Commonwealth. If you've not seen it, it's uh, a very 2000 Spanish 
like sort of thriller comedy. Mm-hmm. A real estate uh, lady is showing a flat in a slightly rundown apartment when uh, the ceiling bursts and loads of water and cockroaches flood through and it turns out the guy in the flat above has died with the tap running and his flat has flooded. She ends up going into the flat with the police because she was the person that called them and when their eyes are averted, like finds a stash of money, like millions of pounds worth of money buried in the floor. And so she pretends to the people in the apartment that she is the new owner of the flat below rather than a real estate person. And uh, she, uh, well, we, the audience, slowly become aware of the fact that maybe the other people in the building know about the money. And everyone's kind of feigning ignorance to be able to get the upper hand and steal the money, smuggle the money out of the building. What a fantastic Um, premise. And it's it's great. It's absolutely brilliant. And it descends into, if you've seen any of Iglesias' other films, you'll know that it's going to get pretty mad. (laughs) Excellent. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's Fantastic. really, really fun. Fantastic. Um, my first recommendation from the past couple of weeks is an indicator title. Um, it's Force Ten from Navarone. Uh, now, this is the sequel to Guns from Navarone, and it's obviously not as good as the first film, but it's still great fun, and it feels more like a kind of fast-paced exploitation cinema, um, more so than the the kind of literate original. Uh, it's another World War II action film with a team led by Harrison Ford, who's acting opposite Robert Shaw in his final film role. So one of the stars of Star Wars alongside one of the stars of Jaws in a 1978 action movie. Um, if that doesn't tempt you, well, not you, Dan, because you don't like <laughs> Star Wars, but <laughs> if that doesn't tempt the, the precious arrowheads, I don't know what will. Maybe the fact that Franco Nero and Carl Weathers also pop up um, but yeah, Ford is fantastic. I love Harrison Ford. And it's just an entertaining, fun film. Uh, as I said, out now on Indicator. Uh, the limited edition is still available. And as ever, the extras are unreal. I'm not going to go into them all um, because this is the Arrow podcast, not the Indicator podcast. But it's, <laughs> it's a really, really packed disc. Um, so yeah, Force 10 from Navarone, my first recommendation this fortnight dan what else have you been watching well so the lockdowns started to be slightly relaxed and while i'm trying not to be too enthusiastic about going out and licking things um (laughs) and i'm not going to be going to any pubs and i'm probably not going to be going to the cinema um i have decided to take advantage of the fact that we're allowed to see our friends again if they come and stand in our garden and don't get too close uh so we've been setting up a projector screen in the garden and watching movies outside um now sam obviously you will remember watching the giant claw and various other bird themed horror films in our garden many God, many years ago what, what a lovely memory that is yeah i do remember yeah um and th- all that came flooding back just last night we watched Boxer's omen uh in the garden which was a, a treat a weird treat uh, especially because it was punctuated by pig managing to catch a bird out of the air and then fucking kill it in front of us which was oh, horrifying geez, um enough. Yeah, we're really, really unpleasant. But that, but but it's not boxes open. I'm recommending because I'm trying to recommend things that people can get hold of. So I'm recommending something that was a first watch for me. It's on Prime at the moment. You can rent or buy it. Uh, it's called Royal Flash, um, which I had not seen. I watched it because I like Richard Lester of Superman Three, but more importantly for me, for, of Bed Sitting Room fame. I didn't know when I put it on that apparently it's based on one of a series of novels, sort of like comedy swashbuckling novels. 
I wasn't aware of that. But it stars Malcolm McDowell as a sort of celebrity British soldier of the, and I'm not getting my history right, but kind of like, you know, Napoleonic era kind of thing, you know, feathers and blazers. And he is hired slash blackmailed by Otto von Bismarck, who's played by Oliver Reed, into taking the place of a European prince uh, on his wedding night because the prince has gone mad from syphilis. And Europe will fall apart if this marriage doesn't happen. So Malcolm McDowell has to just buckle up and uh, and marry Brit Eklund, uh, <laughs> even though he's already in a relationship with Florinda Balkan. You will definitely see that this is an astounding cast. Yes, <laughs> it's very very silly. Alistair Sim is in it as well. Um, it's yeah, it's lots and lots of like slapstick and slightly like lowbrow humour, but all played across like sort of the lush British version of historical epic. Uh, and it's yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> Although oh, wow. there are a few jokes that feel a little of their time. I will say that. Right. Yes. Also of its time is is my next recommendation, uh, which is a Sydney Lumet movie called Q and A. Um, it's available on Prime, I think. But yes, it is uh, the Nick Nolte movie. Nick Nolte plays a crooked cop who kills a suspect in cold blood, then plants a weapon on him to make it look like self defence. Uh, that is the starting point of a film about corruption and justice, which goes to a lot of weird and wild places. Um, it's not perfect. There is some kind of... I don't know. It's, it's a hard one, but, um, yeah, it, it's very, very brutal in both its violence and its language, put it that way. But it, it really is worth watching for Nolte's performance. He is an absolute beast in this film. Um, terrifying every time he's on screen. He is immense. Like, you know, Nick Nolte is one of those actors who just has insane presence anyway. But you just, you're stressed whenever he's on screen in this film. It's so good. Um, so, yeah, Q&A, written and directed by Sidney Lumet. I think it's one of his more underseen movies, um, but it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, I've not, I've not seen it. It is on Prime, so it's free. So there's oh. no excuse not to watch it. Yes, yes, that's that's. Yeah. Um, it looks great. Yeah. So is it in black and white, Sam? No, it is not. No. No. All, most of the stills on IMDb are in black and white. <laughs> yeah, and the poster's pretty shit as well. Um, yeah, which, black and white poster. Which might be why it's unseen. Who knows? But oh my god, Nolte is just fucking horrendous in the film. Oh, he's yeah, he's he's got a, a rage in him. That man. Yeah, that's the best way of describing it uh, absolutely even when he's sort of being nice he, he's scary <laughs> but yeah um q a free on prime give it a watch and then you know give me a tweet and let me know what you think of it right extra features extra features extra features extra features right do we have have, have you pulled another miracle out of the out of the hat no no, nope. not this okay. time. I'm afraid. I was, I was really hoping I would work out who the fuck I had got this script from, and that I could, yeah. <laughs> and that like it would turn out it was like the effects guy or something. But uh, my parents didn't recognise any of those names, so no, I don't know where I got it. No, I've not talked to anyone. That I mean, that's still that is so unreal. Like you say, you were probably ten or eleven. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, like I, as in, I think the film wasn't out yet when I got given the script. Like they just finished it. So, yeah, I mean, th that's just insane to me. To so imagine. I was nine in 80, 
Uh, no, it was seven in 88. So Holy shit. That is insane to me to imagine little Dan going through the script as you do to this day, go through scripts and, you know, mark various things off. Like, yeah, talk, yeah. talk about destiny. Um, with I've got a lovely, a lovely stack of weird old scripts that I've picked up from different places and, and things that never got made as well. Um, interesting, interesting screenplays that never quite made it. Um, well, if you're yeah. allowed, I'm not sure if you are, um, depending on where these various scripts came from and, and you know, how sort of secret they are. But if there are any, you could take a picture of the cover and put them online. I'm sure people would love to see that. I think when you, were, when you were here, I lent you James Gunn's script for Schlock and Schlockability. You did, yeah. To read, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it's one I can always one. put my hands on. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm sure that would be a nice extra feature for people to see that on Twitter. But if not... Yeah, I'll dig out, some, dig out some scripts and take yeah. some photographs. Cool. Right, well, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, a short episode this time, but, you know, sometimes they have to be because we don't want to ruin the endings of films for you. Uh, Dan, how can the Arrowheads find you? I'm on Twitter at 13fingerfx uh, and the same on Instagram. Uh, come and shout at me. I'm on Twitter at Sam Ashurst and I'm on Instagram at Sam Ashurst 23, the number two, the number three. Um, right, the police are coming for that uh, schlock and schlockability script. Dan, I can hear them in the background. So <laughs> I will say thank you so much for listening. And thank you. We promise to be more professional next time. Next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye.